With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Baba Metziah Daf Lamed Vav, page 36. We begin on the very last line of Lamed Heim on base page 35b. Just as a little back, when we said in the Mishnah, the case that we're speaking about is where somebody has a cow, let's say his name is Ruvain, and Ruvain takes his cow and he rents it out to Shimon. Now Shimon, he's now renting this cow, and during the time that he's renting it, he actually lends it to a third party, to Levi. And now what happens, when it's in Levi's house, the animal dies, and it dies in a way which is an onus, which was out of Levi's control. So now the law is that a person who's renting something, he has no obligation if it dies in a way that's out of his control. However, a person who's a shawal, a borrower, so he has a greater level of obligation, a greater responsibility, and even if the animal dies because of something which is out of his control, he still has an obligation to pay. So now, what comes out of this is very interesting, that the person who rented the animal, so now that the, the animal died in a way which was out of his control, he does not have to pay the person he was renting it from. However, the person who borrowed the animal, since he borrowed it from the renter, the person who borrowed it does have an obligation to pay, and therefore the person who rented it actually gets the value of this cow. One more important point in the mission that we see is that in order for him to be able to get that money, so he had to swear to the person who had originally rented it to him that indeed this animal died in the way that he's claiming, that it died in a way that was out of his control. And by doing so, he has no obligation to pay the person that he rented it from, and the shawl, the person who borrowed it from him, will have an obligation to pay. Now, Rabbi Yirmeh is about to talk about a case where both the renter and the person who borrowed it from the renter, they both swore as to how the animal had died. However, when they swore, they swore falsely. And we're going to see that when a person swears falsely, so he has to bring a certain type of sacrifice. But it depends what happened when he swore falsely. Meaning, if he swore falsely, and it didn't change his level of obligation as far as money, money is concerned, meaning either way, whether he swore falsely or not, he still would have had the same level of obligation monetarily. So in such a case, where he wasn't trying to get himself out of paying, so the level of sacrifice he has to bring is called a korban chatos, which is a certain type of sin offering, which isn't as stringent. However, if by swearing falsely, so in effect he he was trying to get himself out of having to pay. So in such a case, he'll bring a korban asham, which is a different type of sin offering, which seems to be more stringent. So now, let's begin Rabbi Yirmiya. The bottom of Lamad Hema, base page 35b. Amar Rabbi Yirmiya. Rabbi Yirmiya says as follows, There are times when the person who has rented and the person who has borrowed from the renter, they both have an obligation just to bring a korban chatos, meaning they did not try to exempt themselves from money, so they only bring a korban chatos, that type of sin offering. There are times when they both have tried to get themselves out of paying, and therefore they both have to bring a korban asham, the more stringent type of sin offering. There are times when the person who rented it, based on his swear, he's not trying to get out of money, therefore all he brings is a korban chatos, and the person who has borrowed it, based on his swear, he has indeed tried to get out of paying, therefore he has to bring a korban asham, the more stringent type. There are times when the person who has rented it, he's trying to get out, and the borrower is not trying to get out, and therefore they each get their respective types of korbanos, the sacrifice that they have to bring. How does this work as follows? As we said before, if somebody swears falsely and through that oath he prevents himself from having to pay, so then he brings the korban asham, the more stringent type of sacrifice. But if the false oath only involved a movement of the lips, that was the only evil thing that he had done, but he hadn't done anything in regards to trying to get out of payment, so then he brings the korban chatas, which is a lesser level of stringency. So we said that there are times when both of them 
them, both the person who rented and the person who borrowed, have an obligation to bring a korban chatos. Kigoyin, for example, shemisa kedarka, where the animal in actuality had died in a way which was an onus, which was out of the control of the people involved. So now, before we even get involved in what they actually swore, so at this point, so if we would talk about what they are actually obligated in, so the socher, the person who rented it, does not have an obligation. He is potter, he is exempt, because the animal died in a way which was out of their control. However, the shoel, the person who's a borrower, he would have an obligation. Now, what did they actually swear? Va'amru nensa. They swore that what had happened was the animal had been stolen in a way that was out of their control. Meaning, some robbers had come along and taken it. Now, this claim that robbers had come along does not change the level of obligation for either of them. So, let's see. Soicher, the renter, that no matter if he had told the truth or based on his lie, either way, the benkach or benkach mifter potter, either way, has no obligation because if it died in its regular way, in a way that was out of control, so he has no obligation, or if it got stolen in a way that was out of their control, there was also no obligation. So, Bechatos, he brings a korban chatos, the more lenient type of sacrifice, because his oath was not exempting him from any money. Shoyel, in regards to the borrower, the benkach or benkach that he will have an obligation in either event, whether the animal died in a way that was out of his control, or whether it was stolen in a way that was out of his control, either way he has an obligation. Again, Bechatos, so his oath would not have exempted him from anything, because he would have had an obligation either way, so therefore he brings a korban chatos, his false oath requires him to bring the more lenient type of sacrifice. There are times when both the renter and the borrower both have to bring the more stringent type of sacrifice, the asham, because they have both tried to deny through their oath that they owe any money. And they do owe money. For example, the case is talking about where the animal had actually been stolen and there was a certain level of negligence on their part. And they claimed that the animal had died while it was working. That both of them, based on their oath, they're not going to have to pay anything. Because even a shoal, a borrower, is not obligated to pay if the animal died while it was working. Because really they do have an obligation since the animal was stolen as a result of their negligence. And through the oath, which they're swearing falsely, they're coming to make themselves exempt. Therefore, since they try to get out of having to pay, they have to bring the more stringent of the korbanos of the sacrifices. We have a case where the renter is going to bring a korban chatas, the more lenient of the sin sacrifices, because he has not come to deny that he owes money, and the shoyah, the borrower, will have to bring the more stringent of the two sacrifices, because he has come to deny. What's the case? The case is where it died in a regular way, meaning it didn't die while it was working, but it was out of the control of the people. So now, the socher, the renter, in such a case, he does not have an obligation to pay, but the shoyah, the borrower, would have an obligation to pay. Now, what did they actually claim? What did they swear? From the oath that they gave was that it had died while it was working. Now, Socher, the Benkach, Benkach, Mifter, Potter, the Socher, the renter, so either way, whether he had told the truth or whether he had lied, so either way, he has no obligation to pay. Chai Bachatos. So, since by swearing falsely, he has not come to exempt himself from paying, so therefore, he brings the more lenient of the sin offerings. Shoyel de Mechaia However, the borrower, if he would have admitted the truth that it had died in the regular way, which was out of his control, he would have had an obligation to pay. The Kapotter Nashi Now, with his false oath, He's saying that it died while it was working, and he won't have an obligation. So therefore, since he's trying to get out of having to pay, Ba'asham, he brings the more stringent of the types of korbanos of the sin offerings. We have a case where the renter is going to bring the more stringent of the sin offerings, and the borrower is going to bring the more lenient of the sin offerings. What's the case? For example, where the animal had been stolen in a way that it was not completely out of his control, there was a level of negligence. And they swore that in fact the animal had died in a way which was out of their control. So, in regards to a renter, he has an obligation to pay if it was stolen with a partial negligence. 
by him making this claim, by swearing falsely that it had died in a normal way, which was out of his control, so he's coming to make himself exempt. Ba'ashim, so he brings the more stringent of the types of sin offerings. Shoyal, however, in regards to the person who's borrowing, the benkach or benkach that whether the animal was stolen or whether it died in a way that was out of his control, either way he'll have an obligation to pay. So therefore, he's not coming to exempt himself by swearing falsely. Bechatas, therefore, the sin offering that he brings when it's found that indeed he has sworn falsely is the more lenient of the sin offerings. Now the Gemara says, my kamashmalon, what is the chiddush? What's the novelty here? Whether or not you have to bring a korban asham, the more stringent type of sin offering, the korban chatas, the more lenient type of sin offering, and the obligations in regards to a shol, a borrower, and a renter, all these things we know already. You're telling us the application of these halachos, of these laws, it's not necessary. What's the chiddush? What's the novelty? The Gemara answers, it's coming to exclude. When Rabbi Yirmiya was telling us these halachos, he was coming to exclude the statement of Rabbi Ami, the Amar, because he had said, when there's an oath, which a person is forced to take by judges, a person can never fall into the category of someone who's swearing with his mouth, and thereby creating an obligation for him to bring a korban chatos, this more lenient type of sin offering. What's the verse? The verse says, When a soul shall swear by moving his lips, which is our case, where he's swearing without creating an exemption from monetary value, Rabbi Ami understands that the person has to be swearing on his own, not by being forced by a court. But if he's forced by a court, there's no obligation to bring a korban chatos, this more lenient type of sin offering. So Rabbi Yirmeh is coming to say that Rabbi Ami is incorrect, that even if the courts force you to swear, for instance, in our case of our Mishnah, there still will be an obligation to bring a korban chatos, the more lenient type of sin offering, if it applies to that person. Itmar, we have the following Amoritic statement. Shamer Shamasur Shamer, if you have one person who's guarding an object, let's say, and he gives it over to someone else to watch, Rav Amar Pater, Rav says that there's no obligation on the original Shomer, the original guardian, rather the obligation is on the new guardian. Rabbi Yechon Amar Chayev, Rabbi Yechon says no, the original person who was supposed to guard it, he's the one who has the obligation, he shouldn't have given it over to someone else. Amar Abaya, Abaya says, Latame the Rav, according to Rav who says that there is no obligation on the original guardian, it doesn't matter for talking about where there's an upping of the ante, so to speak. Let's say the person who was originally the guardian, he was watching it, but he wasn't getting paid. So he doesn't have the same level of obligation as the person he gave it to. He gave it to somebody who is getting paid now. So there, the person who's getting paid, so he has a greater level of obligation. So you've upped the ante, you've given it a better level of guarding. There, there's no obligation. Even if, let's say, the person who was originally guarding it was getting paid, and he had a higher level of obligation, he gives it over to someone who's not getting paid, the guardian he worsened the level of guarding. Putter. Nevertheless, there's still no obligation according to Rav. Why? My time. Because the reason that there's no obligation on the original guardian is because he gave it over to someone who has brains to watch it himself. Therefore, the person who's watching it now, he's the one who's going to have the ultimate obligation. Now, according to Rabbi Yechanan, who says there is an obligation on the original guardian, not only somebody who's getting paid to watch it, who gave it over to somebody who's not getting paid, where he's lowered the level of watching, even if it's somebody who's not getting paid, gives it over to somebody who is getting paid, he's raised the bar, he's raised the level of watching, there still will be an obligation, why? Because the person who owns that object can say, I trusted you to watch my thing, I don't want anyone else to watch my thing, therefore, the obligation is on the original party, the original guardian who was watching it.
Amar of Chizda. Rav Chizda says something which is very interesting. Hadi Rav, this statement of Rav, that if one guardian gives over the object to another guardian to watch, there's no obligation on the original guardian. Lav Itmar. This actually was not stated explicitly by Rav. Ela Michlala. We figured it out from something that happened from the following story. The Hanuginoi, there was a certain group of gardeners that called Yoyma Habu Mafkedimarayu Gabi Adahi Safta. Every single day they would leave their gardening implements in the care of this elderly woman. Yemechad one day, Afkedinon Lagabi Chad Minahu. So all of the gardeners gave it to one of the gardeners to watch. Shoma Kalabehilula. Now the gardener who was supposed to be watching the gardening implements, he heard that there was a chasana, a wedding going on. Nofak Ozil Afkedinon Lagabi Dahahu Safta. So what did he do? So he wanted to go to the wedding, so he brings all the gardening implements to that elderly woman who they always used to leave the gardening implements by. Ada Ozil Vaasa. In the meantime, when he went to the wedding and came back, Ignoiv Morayu. So the gardening implements were actually stolen from this elderly woman. So this case came in front of Rav. They wanted to know if the gardener who had originally been watching it, but he gave it over to the elderly woman, whether he had an obligation or not to pay for the lost implements. Upatre. Rav said that there's no obligation on this gardener. The people who saw this thought, that the reason why Rav said that there's no obligation is because one guardian watching something who gives it over to another guardian, there's no obligation. But that's not really true. The truth is that even Rav agrees that if a guardian gives it over to another guardian, he will have an obligation. So why over here didn't the original gardener have an obligation? Shani Hasim, it's different in that case, they call Yema, Nami Inugufayo Gaboda, he's Safta Havamafkidilu. Since every single day they used to give to this elderly woman, all the gardeners used to give their gardening implements to this woman, they all trusted her. Therefore, they have no claim. They can't say to the gardener, oh, we gave it to you to watch, we don't trust her. They always trust her. There's no difference between yesterday and today. That's why Rav said that there's no obligation on the gardener. Yosef Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Ami was sitting, the Kamar Lala Hashmaisa, and he was saying over this whole piece. Rabbi Ami was a student of Rabbi Yechanan, so he was saying over the statement of Rabbi Yechanan, which was, if you have a, one guardian who gives over an object to another guardian, there's still an obligation on the original guardian. Asi Rabbi Abba Bar Mamul Rabbi Ami. So Rabbi Abba Bar Mamul asked the following question to Rabbi Ami from our Mishnah. We said in the Mishnah that if somebody rents a cow from his friend, and the renter lends it to someone else, who dies in its normal way, you should the person who was renting it swears that it had died in its normal way. And then the person who borrowed it, he pays to the renter. If indeed Rabbi Yochanan is correct that a guardian cannot give it over to another guardian, why can't the owner of the cow say, I didn't want you to lend it to someone else, I'm the one who should get the money. Amar lay. So Rabbi Ami responded as follows. You know what the case is over here? The original owners, the owner of the cow, said to the renter that he should go and lend it to this person. The one says, hold on a second. If that's the case, if the person who's borrowing it actually got permission directly from the owner of the cow to borrow it, so then he should pay. It's like he borrowed it directly from the owner. And then he should have to pay directly to the owner. The one says, no. The case is talking about where the owner of the cow said to the person who was renting it, if you want to during the time that you're renting it, you can lend it out to whoever you want. So therefore, it's considered that the person who's renting it, in a certain sense, has lent out his own cow. Therefore, when the shoel, when the borrower is going to have an obligation to pay, he's going to pay to the renter. Masif Rami Barchama. Rami Barchama asks the following question on Rabbi Yechanan. How could you say that a guardian who gives over to another guardian that the original guardian is going to have the obligation? I'm going to prove to you not that way. We find that it states that if somebody gives money to his friend to watch, now the guardian takes it, puts it into a bag, throws it over his back, or he gives it to his son or his daughter who are minors, and then he doesn't lock the door in front of them. So if anything happens to 
what he has an obligation. Because he didn't properly watch it. The indication is it's only because they are minors. If he gave it over to an, an adult, Potter, there will be no obligation. Am I? Why? The person whose money it is should be able to say to this guardian, I don't want you to give it over to someone else. It sounds like Rabbi Yechonin is incorrect. Amarava, Rabbi says no. Call Hamafkid. Whenever a person gives over money, we turn to Vavam Abbas 36b. Whenever a person gives over money, Atas Ishte Ubanavumafkid. He knows that the person who is giving the money to may give it over to his wife or to his adult children. And therefore, that's why in this case, if he gives it over to his child who's an adult, there will be no obligation because there's an implicit understanding of that when the person gives over his money. Amri Nahardoi, Nahardoi, the sages of Nahardoi said as follows, Dekanami, we can actually deduce this, Dekatani, because it says as follows, If he gave it over to his son or his daughter who are minors, then there's an obligation. The indication is, if he gave it over to his son or his daughter who are adults, there's no obligation. We can deduce the Lacherim, if we're talking about other people, not his kids, there's no difference between adults or minors. Chayv, you will still have an obligation. Dim came because if there if there would be a difference, listen, Kitanim stomach. Let us just say if he gave it over to minors, then there's an obligation. Indicating that if he gave it over to any adults, there is no obligation. Shmamina. So from the fact that we didn't say that, it's a clear proof that Rav is correct that there's a difference when you're giving it over to your children because there's an implicit understanding on the part of the person who's giving over whatever object it may be to someone to watch that he's going to give it to his wife or his children who are adults to watch. Watch on his behalf as well. Amar Rav, Rav says as follows. Hilchasa, the bottom line law is, If one guardian gave it over to another guardian, there's going to be an obligation on the original guardian. Doesn't matter if we're talking about a higher level guardian who's getting paid, who gave it over to a lower level guardian who's not getting paid, he lowered the standard level of guarding. Even if the original person who was guarding it was not getting paid, so he didn't have as strong of a level of guarding, and he gave it over to someone who was a higher level, who was getting paid, there's still an obligation on the original guardian. My time, what's the reason? And notice here there's a difference between what Rav has said and what we said previously. The reason is, according to Rav, the Amar lay, because the person who gave over the object to be watched, he will say to the original guardian, At I trust you to swear to me. But the other person that you're giving it to, I don't know him, I don't trust him to swear to me. Now, before we start the next Gemara, we need a little bit of a background. We're about to speak about the concept of where the guardian who's watching an object, if he begins doing something which is an act of negligence, however, the item actually gets ruined or lost by no fault of his own. So there's an argument later on in the Gemara whether or not there's an obligation on this guardian. And the case the Gemara talks about is, let's say someone is given money, a guardian is given money to watch, and he places it inside of a teepee. Now, this teepee area is not properly protected from fire. So there's a negligence. However, it is properly protected from thieves. However, in the end, what happened was it was actually stolen by thieves. So there, there was a trilas You started off doing an act of negligence in regards to fire. And in the end, the negligence wasn't what caused the loss. Rather, it was stolen, and it had been properly protected from being stolen. And nevertheless, it was stolen. So one opinion holds that in such a case, there's still an obligation on the person, because since he did an act of pshia, of negligence, therefore it doesn't matter if it ended up that it was lost through no fault of his own. It's considered that it was lost through his fault, since he had some negligence at the beginning. The other opinion holds that no. Despite the fact that there was negligence, in the end all, it wasn't because of his negligence that the atom was lost. Therefore, there's no obligation. Itmar. Now let's begin Argomorah. We have a statement as follows. Let's say the guardian did an act of negligence and the animal went out to a swamp 
So this swamp is a place where it's common for the animal to get stolen from, but it's not common for the animal to die there. And now what happened? The animal died in a normal way. So this is Tchilas Vipshia. It started off being an act of negligence, and in the end it was an ones, it was out of his control. Abaye Mishmed the Rabba Omar Chayev. Abaye and Rabba are going to argue, and they're both going to quote Rabba, but interestingly they're going to argue about what Rabba said. Abaye says that Rabba said that there's an obligation on the guardian. Rabba Mishmed the Rabba Omar Pater. Rabba says no, there's no obligation on the guardian. Abaye Mishmed the Rabba Omar Chayev. Abaye says that there's an obligation on the guardian as follows. Called Daina Deloy Doin Ki Haidino Lav Dainahu. If there's any judge that doesn't say like we're saying that there's an obligation, he's not a proper judge. Not only according to the one who says in the case of the tipi, that if you did an act of negligence and in the end it was lost through no fault of your own, that there's an obligation. The Chayev over here as well, he'll say that there's an obligation. Even according to the one who says in the case of the tipi, that there's no obligation. Here there will be an obligation. My timing, you know why? Because it's different over here. The Amri and will say, that here, even though there wasn't a complete act of negligence, that caused the death. Nevertheless, the swamp air, the quality of the air there is very poor. And therefore, it's very likely that the reason that the animal died was in part because of this poor air quality. And in that sense, there was a level of negligence. Ravi Mishmei the Rabbah Omar Pater. Ravi says, no. In this case, there is no obligation. And any judge who judges differently is not considered a proper judge. Not only according to the one who says in the case of the TP that if it started off with negligence and it ended off that there was no negligence, that there's no obligation, that he'll say over here that there's also an obligation. And according to the one who says in the case of the money that there is an obligation, here there's no obligation. My time, what's the reason? The Amrinon, because we say exactly the opposite of what Abai said. The angel of death who's coming to kill this animal, what does he care where the animal is? There's no advantage of being in the swamp. The swamp is not more of a reason why the animal will die. And therefore, according to Rava, since if the animal would be in the possession of the guardian and it would die through no fault of his own, there would be no obligation. In this case as well, where the animal died in the Agam, in the swamp, there will also be no obligation on the guardian. Umoidi Abaya, Abaya who says that if it died in the swamp, that there is an obligation on the guardian, even though it was out of his control, he will agree in the following case that there won't be an obligation. The Umesa, that if it was returned to the owner's house and then it died, the potter, that there's no obligation. My time, what's the reason? The Hahadrila, he returned it properly. We don't say, that the poor air quality of the swamp was what later caused its death. Umoidi Rava, Rava said that there was no obligation, he will agree, call Hecha de Ignav Ganav Ba'agam, if let's say it had gotten stolen indeed from the swamp, Umesa Kedarka Beganov, and when it died, it died when it was in the house of the person who stole it, the thief, the Chayev, there, there will be an obligation on the guardian. My time was the reason, because if it had not died, if so to speak the angel of death had left it alone, it would have still been in the house of the thief, and therefore as Rashi explains, as soon as the thief steals it, so his pshia, his negligence resulted in someone taking it. Therefore, there's an obligation on the guardian immediately. So it's irrelevant the fact that it actually died there by no fault of his own in the end. So now Abai turns to Rav and says as follows, According to you, you said that there's no obligation on the Shomer, on the guardian who left it in the swamp. Why? Because the animal would just as likely die in the swamp as it would die in the person's house. Let's go back to something that we had earlier in the daf, and that was that Rabbi Ami had quoted Rabbi Yechon. Rabbi Yechon said that if you have a guardian who gives it over to another guardian, there's an obligation on the original guardian. And Rabbi Abba Bar had asked from the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that if you have a Soch, a person who's renting it, gives it over to a Shol, 
the person who's borrowing it, there's no obligation on the socher. The person who's rented it can get out of the obligation just by swearing. So he said, what's the explanation for this? And what did he answer him? We said that the reason is because the original owners had said to the person who had rented it that you can go and lend it to the next guy. And that's why there's no obligation on the renter. According to you, we have a better answer. Why doesn't he say to him, that what does the angel of death care where it died? Meaning, maybe when the person who rented it gave it over to the borrower, he did not have any right, he did not have any permission from the person who owns the animal to do such a thing. However, you can say, listen, it was Tchilasibibshi, I started off doing an act of negligence. I gave it over to someone who was borrowing it, who shouldn't have been borrowing it. You don't trust him. However, the animal died in any event in a way that was out of our control. So therefore, what's the difference where it died? It didn't die anymore because it was in his possession than my possession, and therefore there's no obligation. So according to you, Rava, why didn't Rabbi Ami answer that answer? Why did he say a case where the original owners gave permission to lend it out? That's a very big doichik. It doesn't even sound like that in the Mishnah itself. So Rebbe responds as follows, According to you that you understood that the reason why one guardian can't give it over to another guardian is because that the person who owns this object who gave it to the guardian in the first place says, I don't want you to give my object to anyone else. I want you to watch it. That's why you can ask that question at all. But I hold the question doesn't even start from the Mishnah. You know why? That the reason that one guardian can't give it over to another guardian, it's because we're afraid that he's going to point the finger and say to the person who originally gave him the object to watch, you know, go go over to the guy who's watching it now, let him swear to you. And so the person who gave it to him to watch can say, listen, I trust you with the swear, I don't trust the other guy with the swear. Like Allah is for clout. That being the case, you can't even ask for the Mishnah because it's totally incomparable. Because it's not even considered like one guardian is giving it over to another guardian. You know why? Because the Saikhar, the one who had rented it and originally took responsibility for it, he's taking that responsibility. He is indeed swearing. And that's the reason why the person who gave over the object to the Saikhar, to the renter, trusts him. Masav Rami Barchama. Rami Barchama asks a question. If a guardian who's supposed to be watching an animal brings that animal up to a jagged mountain, the animal falls down over the edge and it dies. It's not considered that it was out of its control, and there is an obligation. The Gemara says that the indication here is that if it died in a normal way when it was up there on top of the mountain, it is considered out of its control and there will be no obligation. This is problematic according to Abaye. Why don't we say that you brought it into a place which has very thin air, and therefore the air on that mountain has caused its death, and therefore you should have an obligation. Or another possibility is that the animal got weary as it climbed up to the top of this mountain, and that's why it died. So here we have a case where it started off being a pshia, an act of negligence, ended off being an inus, which was out of his control, but it wasn't completely out of his control, and according to Abai, there's an obligation. So why don't we say that over here? My answer is, You know what we're talking about over here? The reason that he brought it up to that place was because there was very good grass up there, and he actually did it. It wasn't an act of pshia, an act of negligence, but rather it was an act that was taking care of the animal. So therefore, if the animal dies, there's not going to be an obligation on him as long as it didn't happen by the animal falling over the edge. So in the case where it fell over the edge, why is there an obligation either? That the shepherd should have grabbed the animal to make sure it doesn't fall over. And he didn't do that. If that's the case, what does it say in the first case? If it went up on its own to the top of these mountains and it fell down, so then there's no obligation. It's considered that it's completely out of his control. He should have prevented it from going up on the mountain. The Mar says, no, look, not the case. Tzricha, we need to tell you this. That he had grabbed onto it, and nevertheless, the animal was stronger than him, and therefore went up to the top of the mountain, and that's why it fell down. So therefore, it's completely, completely out of his control, and that's why there's no obligation.
Amar Rabbi Yesi, we said in the mission that Rabbi Yesi said, Rabbi Yesi didn't like the fact that a person who's renting something, he can pater himself, he can get out of an obligation to pay by swearing, and then the guy who he lent it to is going to have to pay the renter. How could it be that the renter ends up making money on someone else's animal? He didn't like that, so he said, you can't do that. Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Shmuel, Halacha Rabbi Yesi, indeed the Halacha is like Rabbi Yesi. Amar Rabbi Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, so Shmuel Bar Yehuda says to Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, you said to us in the name of Shmuel, that Rabbi Yaisi also argued on the previous case, the previous Mishnah. And that was where someone gave an object to watch to a guardian, and then the guardian claimed that it was stolen. But he didn't want to swear to say that it was stolen, so instead he paid for the object. And then we found the thief, and the thief has to pay double. So the Mishnah said that you pay double to the guardian. So here Shmuel said that Rabbi Yaisi also argues on this and says, how could this guardian be making money on someone else's thing? And therefore the money, that double, is not going to go to the guardian, but rather it's going to go back to the original owner. So now the question is, is the halacha, the law, going to be like Rabbi Yaisi in that regard, in that case as well, or not? Amarleh, so he said to him, Indeed, Rabbi Yossi argued on that case as well, and the halacha, the law, is going to be like him in that case as well. It's Marnamu, we actually have an Amoritic statement that confirms this. Amar Lazar said, Rabbi Yossi also argued on that first case. Indeed, the law is going to be like him even in the first case. Rabbi Yechanan Amar, Rabbi Yechanan says, that in fact, Rabbi Yossi agreed in the first case, because the guardian had already paid for the object. And since he paid for the object, the owner of the object is happy to give over to the guardian whatever kefa, whatever double would be coming to him, he's happy that the guardian should get that money since he paid already. Now the Gemara says, when Rabbi Yechanan says that he paid already, shilim inlay, shilim loy, is that to say that it's only if he paid already, only then does he get the double, but not if he didn't pay? Rabbi we know that Rabbi Chiyabar Abba said in the name of Rabbi Yechanan, shilim, shilim mamish, that when we talk about him paying, it doesn't mean that he actually paid. Just the fact that he says, I'm going to pay, even if he didn't actually pay, the owner of the object gives over the rights to collect the double to the guardian. Amos, we say, rather say like this, Rabbi agreed in the first case, because he already said that he's going to pay. And saying indeed is going to be enough for him to be able to acquire the KFL that double.